Welcome to Grain Talk, a podcast by Grain Farmers of Ontario. I'm Rachel Telford. And I'm Paige Miller. The Grain Talk podcast can be found on Apple, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform. In this episode of Grain Talk, I will speak with co-host Rachel Telford about her role as the managing editor of the Ontario Grain Farmer magazine, along with Kim Rotz, the magazine's production coordinator, as we have our final 10th anniversary celebration spotlight. I will also have a conversation with Crosby Devitt, CEO of Grain Farmers of Ontario. First, a Grain Talk news update. Grain Farmers of Ontario, Board of Directors, has made the decision to stop offering our wheat pool and forward contract wheat marketing programs after the 2020 crop marketing year. This decision came after a decade of continued decline in use of these programs by our farmer members. Our industry now has more than 267 licensed dealers and 372 licensed elevators in Ontario. Our farmer members have shown that they can be very successful marketing their wheat without the use of our programs. Over the last five years, we have seen in our farmer member and delegate surveys that there is a declining priority on organization-run trading of wheat. If you're using the wheat pool for the current 2020 crop year, we will continue to market your wheat as normal and will honor all obligations. Your interim payments will be issued in January 2021 and final payments will be issued in August. Forward contract customers who have contracts for future crop years will be contacted by the wheat marketing team to discuss your contract. The Parliamentary Budget Office has just confirmed what Grain Farmers of Ontario Government Relations staff have been saying. They confirmed the carbon tax, once fully implemented in 2022, will cost Canadian farmers around $60 million per year for using natural gas and propane to dry their crops. Grain Farmers of Ontario released this estimate in 2019, long before the federal government wanted to admit what the carbon tax would cost Ontario and Canadian farmers. We have warned the government that this is not an insignificant added cost to the production of food in Canada. Grain Farmers of Ontario will hold all 2021 January district meetings via Zoom. Farmer members are encouraged to register for their district meeting. A full listing of meeting dates and times is available at gfo.ca. Pre-nominations for delegates and alternates are being accepted ahead of the meetings in order to facilitate a smoother election process. All current Grain Farmers of Ontario farmer members that attend their January district meeting will receive a chance to win one of three tech prizes. And now, here's our 10th anniversary conversation about the Ontario Grain Farmer magazine. So hello, welcome to another edition of the Grain Talks podcast. Today we have Kim Rotz, production coordinator of the Ontario Grain Farmer magazine, and Rachel Telford, managing editor of the Ontario Grain Farmers magazine, who is also the co-host of the podcast. Hello, ladies. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Paige. Hello. Um, so before you get started, or we get started here today, do you think you could both kind of give me a little bit of a background about who you are and what you do here at Grain Farmers of Ontario, and more specifically about what you both do for the magazine? Sure. So I'll start. Um, so as you mentioned, I'm the managing editor for the magazine, and basically that means that all of the content that gets put into it every month is basically something that um, I've come up with or that has been provided to me to include in terms of a topic of concern or of issue for our farmer members. And basically all that, that planning of content is, is my responsibility to make sure that uh, we have something of interest for our farmer members to read. Um, as well for Grain Farmers of Ontario, I'm also um, the editorial specialist. And basically that means that 
I help out in any other ways that I can with the communications department in terms of, um, you know, the other projects that we do for our farmer members. So for example, like this podcast, uh, as you mentioned, I'm also co-host of uh, the Friday e-news that we send out to all of our email subscribers. I take care of that. And I also do the annual report every year, which basically talks about uh, the year in review for the organization. So that's a lot. So Kim, what, what is your role here at Green Farmers of Ontario and with the magazine? So as Rachel mentioned, we all wear lots of hats. <laughs> uh, I am the production coordinator for the magazine. So I do all the layout and uh, coordinate the ads that come in, make sure they're placed in the right area, work with the advertisers on that and develop the production schedules for and work with our, our printer and our mailhouse. Um, so that's the magazine part. And then Otherwise, I am brand specialist as well for the organization. So I look after both sides of our brands. So uh, the corporate side, Green Farmers of Ontario, as well as our public outreach, which is Good and Every Green, and just guiding how our story is being told. And then on top of that, just any other graphic design needs we, we have, whether it's handouts or signs or vehicle wraps or exhibits, it's I do all the designing. So keeps my plate full. So so what you're saying and from what I'm understanding is you're both super busy all the time, basically much. with everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. um, so in keeping with our theme for the podcast over the past year, it's our 10th anniversary of Green Farmers of Ontario and also the 10th anniversary of the magazine. So, Kim, do you think you could talk a little bit about the history of the magazine and what that 10 years means to you? I actually started out with the Ontario Corn Producers Association, which is one of our founding organizations. So I've been here 16 years. Uh, so I remember when all this happened. And of the founding organizations, the Ontario Corn Producers Association was the only one that had a magazine going out to its membership already. So going into the merger, I guess the first decision was, do we want to have a magazine in this new organization? And of course, with the farmer member guidance, uh, the decision was yes. And so then we had to, uh, it was kind of a natural progression then to morph the magazine we had for the corn organization into publication for the new organization. Uh, so we developed a new design and it was all based on farmer member feedback. And it had a lot of the existing features of the magazine that got carried forward into the new one. Uh, but then it needed a name, so we, we narrowed down the options, and uh, it, the new name was voted on, and it became the Ontario Grain Farmer magazine. There's a lot of history there. So what, what does the 10-year anniversary mean to you? It's, it, there's a lot of pride in the organization, and just in our membership and, and agriculture in general for me. Uh, so being part of the organization is has been great and having the opportunity to look back at the magazine and how it's changed uh and the organization and how it's changed uh has been been really great yeah i bet you've seen some really great moments over the past couple of years <laughs> yes definitely <laughs> so within those 10 years as you said things have had to change a little bit about how things have been done um, Rachel, do you think you could kind of expand on the content of the magazine and how that's kind of changed over the years? 
Sure. So um, I haven't been around quite as long as Kim. I started uh, in 2012. So I've been with Green Farmers of Ontario for about eight years now. And, you know, there really has been sort of uh, a subtle shift throughout the years in terms of what we put into the magazine. So we've, you know, eliminated some of the pages that we used to have in the magazine, like in the news and future of grain and replaced them with some more in-depth features or industry profiles so that um, we can really find our own sort of niche within the agriculture media landscape because I mean obviously the Ontario Grain Farmer magazine isn't the only publication out there. We never pretend that we are. But we do have that specific niche in terms of we only focus on barley, corn, oats, soybeans, and wheat, our five grain commodities that we represent as an organization. And so that really drives us and gives us our focus for all of our content in the magazine. And, you know, over the years, we've had to sort of look at what does that mean? What kind of information do our farmer members want to be um, seeing and you know how can we make it different from what they would have already seen either in their daily newspaper or their weekly um, email subscription that they might get or or social media even so we've really had to sort of take our our features to sort of that next step of what is the bigger picture of an issue what is more sort of longer term consequences of things and and then as well, why is this issue of importance to grain farmers of Ontario and to our farmer members? And what is our position on an issue? Um, a lot of the content that we put in the magazine deals with research and what research projects have we funded? And I look at that in terms of answering the question, how are we spending our farmer members' checkoff fees, right? What, how are we spending their money? Because that is something that when we go out to... Uh, events when, you know, pre-COVID days when we could go to farm shows and stuff <laughs> that we really did hear from our farmer members. What are you doing for me? What work are you doing on my behalf? And I really see the magazine as that vehicle to showcase to our farmer members what it is that we're doing for them. And um, because it's their magazine, right? It's the Ontario Grain Farmer. It's made for our farmer members. 10 years seems like such a long time to have such a successful monthly magazine that goes out for such a small organization to put that out. And I think the way that the both of you are doing it is quite fantastic. And the work that you both put in is awesome. But what, why do you think the magazine's been so successful over the past 10 years? I guess the fundamental reason for me is that every step or every change we make is based on the guidance of our membership. Because as Rachel mentioned, it's their magazine that's the best way to be successful is is to listen to your audience and uh, give them give them the things they want I guess that's that's what I'd like mm -hmm. I, I I would agree with with that Kim and you know we always try and get feedback from our farmer members in as many ways as possible as I mentioned farm shows I have farmers calling me um, trust me if there's a problem <laughs> if they don't like something I will hear about it they will call me <laughs> Um, and I've had anywhere from a half an hour to hour long conversations with farmers about, you know, things that they saw in the magazine that they, uh, you know, liked or didn't like. Uh, usually the ones that when they don't like something is the longer conversation. Um, but, you know, we also do every three years um, a farmer member survey. And some of those questions on that survey relate specifically to the magazine. And one of the questions that we do ask is, what is most important to you that you want to see in the magazine? And as I mentioned, uh, research is, is top of mind, but also uh, production, which we now call agronomy. I guess that's another change as well. Uh, when we brought on agronomists on staff to Grain Farmers of Ontario, we um, you know changed our 
or labeling of production to be agronomy. So that really just highlights the fact that it is, you know, agronomic information for your crops, um, but also um, new technology. We actually have a whole issue. Our November issue is devoted just to new technology because it's something that we've consistently heard over the over our surveys that we've done that that is something that, um, you know, farmer members do want to hear about. So, um, you know, I, th I think that our success really is, as Kim was saying, just listening to our farmer members and responding to the feedback that we get. Again, just referencing the survey that we've done, uh, I think we're doing a pretty good job. About 80% of our members say that they think the magazine is excellent. Another 16% or so are neutral. So I'll take that as a win. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I, I think that that's why is because it is a magazine that's geared towards them specifically. And we just are really careful to make sure that we maintain our focus on barley, corn, oat, soybeans, and wheat, because that's what we're here to do. Now, you mentioned something about the theme of the months. Um, and how did that actually come about? And why? Why did you pick certain months for certain themes, I think is kind of more my question. That's a question for Kim, because I, I don't know how we originated them, actually. Well, yeah. So when when we started, it was it's basically based on the different areas of the organization, because we tried to put a consistency into the magazine that we had on the website, the pillars of the organization. So they were kind of modeled after that. And of course, they develop and and, and change as the years go, as the organization changes too, right? So that's kind of where it started. And do you have um, a favorite theme or a favorite month or issue um, to put out? I really like our June, July around the world issue because again, because we do have that specific focus, not only of our crops that we cover, but also of Ontario, um, which we try and incorporate in terms, especially in terms of our agronomic information, you know, like what is going to work here in Ontario. It gives us an opportunity to sort of look farther afield, rest of Canada and around the world in terms of what is happening with grain production. So still focused on grain, but what is happening in other parts of the world and whether that's um, highlighting some some of the organizations that might be helping in other countries or whether that's uh, new technologies that are being used maybe in Europe that we don't have here, or, you know, Europe has a lot of um, concerns over uh, GM technology. And so how is that impacting the crops that we grow here in Ontario? Because obviously we want to make sure that where we're exporting to will accept our product. So I really find it interesting just to see what are those different production levels around the world and, and what are sort of the topics of, of concern that they're dealing with. I would actually have to agree with that being my favorite issue as well, simply because from a layout perspective, it's nice to bring in different parts of the world. You're, you're, you're focused on Ontario nine issues out of 10. So this is a nice one that you can bring something different into the magazine and, and tell the story that way as well. Yeah, I bet you it's a nice change to kind of bring in other areas of the world into something like that. So next question for the two of you, what are some of the biggest challenges you both faced over the past 10 years or throughout the years with the Ontario Grain Farmer? Kim, do you want to start us off? For me, it's always because it's layout, I'm always making sure I balance telling the story with the visuals and then staying on brand because um, everything that we do branding wise adds to our story and you want to make sure that everything I get uh, balances out. It's a, it's a, it's a fine balance. Um, and it's nice too, to try new things without compromising readability. So uh, there are design elements in there that I can add, um, but you have to 
you have to be sure that people can still um, read the magazine and, and um, the visuals are a big deal as well. Uh, always making sure you've got something reflecting either the story itself, obviously, or the right time of year. Um, resolution is always an issue when we get pictures in, that kind of thing. Um, those are kind of my challenges when it comes to layout. Well, I'm glad you didn't say that I was your biggest challenge, Kim, because yeah. I know that I'm always pushing those deadlines <laughs> that we, we have for production. No, not at all. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, like deadlines are probably my biggest challenge, obviously. Um, you know, we work probably about six weeks out um, in terms of by the time farmer members see the magazine in their mailbox, um, you know, I received material from my freelance writers probably six weeks previous to that. So right now we're talking in December. Um, I'm getting my freelance material today for my February issue of the magazine. Um, and again, that's why we have to sort of um, have those articles that we do in terms of providing a, a broader context to what we're writing or focusing in on what we're doing as an organization for our farmer members and not specifically like hard-hitting, urgent news type coverage. Um, and, and that's because as well, like our timelines relate to the fact that Kim and I, as we mentioned before, have other roles and responsibilities within Green Farmers of Ontario. We're not just focusing on the magazine. So we need to have that little bit of uh, extra time to, to get things done. And it's just Kim and I, and now we have Joanne Titchborn, who's our advertising sales representative. And we're sort of the three core people of the of the magazine team now. Other publications have more people, have more staff, right? And so my freelancers are always trying to push deadlines because sometimes sources don't understand deadlines. And, you know, it's always a, a last minute scramble to to get people to, um, you know, finalize their material and submit it. And we try and be as accommodating as possible because you do want to be able to have those proper sources and contacts in, in your articles. And we try and, and adjust where we can. But I think for me, that's always been the biggest challenge is deadlines. And, uh, and I, I do know that I, I push them at times. And, and Kim and I always say, somehow it works out and we get it done in the end and we've never missed a print deadline. So we always get it done. So do you have any memorable issues or articles or memorable moments, I guess, from the past 10 years with the Ontario grain farmer? Good or bad? Oh, both. <laughs> you know what? Clear it all. Well, I really loved our January issue um, this past 2020 because for me, it was basically a trip down memory lane because we, we looked back at the, the last 10 years and um, did a visual timeline of the, the major events that happened. And and so it was really nice to, to see faces I hadn't seen before or, for, or seen for a while, rather. Um, so that was a big issue, a big memorable moment, I guess, for me. Um, and then Rachel reminded me earlier of when we added barley and oats. Um, so for me, it's visuals. So anything that we can do to expand visuals, I was doing corn, soybeans, and wheat for so long. It was so nice to bring in barley and oats and have, have something different there. I was going to say, Kim, I think for for me as well, that that was really good because then we could branch out just in terms of content as well and the topics that we could cover, um, you know, adding in barley and oats was sort of a significant milestone for Grain Farmers of Ontario. And I just sort of broadened what we could do with the magazine as well. For sure. And least favorite, least favorite moments. Oh, well, from a from a from a layout standpoint, I remember one issue long before Rachel came on board, um, where so in my layout I have placement text for whenever I add an article in there, and so there's placement text for where the title goes and the subtitle, 
Uh, and I remember when we got the magazine back and it had been printed, uh, the previous editor and I looked at it and where the subtitle was supposed to be, it said subtitle goes here. And we both looked at each other, closed the magazine and went back to our work. But there's nothing we can do to change it. <laughs> so that was, that was a moment. <laughs> yeah. And I know one issue that I did, um, we spelled phosphorus wrong on the cover. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not sure how that got through, like, you know, the five different people that also reviewed the magazine before it went to print. Well, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> But I, I try not to look back at issues because I'll always find something that I miss, whether it's just like a comma or, a, you know, a spelling mistake or we're missing a quote mark or something. There's always, there's always something that I will see. So I, tr I try not to look back, yeah. um, but and just kind of keep moving forward. What's done is done. You can't change it, right? <laughs> exactly. Going through the 10 years, Rachel, do you have any specific articles that you enjoyed writing or being a part of? You know, I find it's interesting when you look back over the past 10 years, just how many issues were multi-year issues. Right when I first started in 2012 uh, was when the neonicotinoid issue first uh, started happening with all the BDEFs in Ontario that year. And, you know, I sort of dove headfirst into that. And then I look back and I see that we're still writing about it in 2014 and 2015. And it was a significant issue. The relationship uh, at the time with the Ontario Beekeepers Association, we, in the beginning, were working with them to uh, try and figure out solutions and how we could reduce the amount of deaths coming from our planters and help promote bee health in other ways. And, you know, it kind of, through various means, it evolved. And one of the other, I think, interesting contributions in the magazine was the perspective of uh, Barry Sumpf, who was our CEO at the time. And... We did several CEO updates, um, and it's no secret that I would sit down with Barry and, and he would tell me his thoughts. Some might call it a rant um, about what he was thinking about certain issues. And when it came to this neonic issues and bee health, he was, he was very passionate about it and he was very concerned that our side of things was being presented. And, you know, I mentioned, I remember one time he wanted to start it with, I'm sick and tired. And I'm like, well, we can't say that, right? <laughs> we changed it to, I'm fed up with, um, the way that Kim has stylized the magazine is the first three words of an article will always be capital letters. So it came out in print, Barry Sun's CEO update, I'm fed up, was front and center bold right at the top, right? <laughs> capital letters. <laughs> and he was talking about the bee health problems and how we tried to work with the OBA and, um, you know, on outlining just the efforts that we have been doing and our work with other beekeepers outside of that industry association. And again, that was in 2014, and that was two years on from when the, the problem initially started. So um, it's just interesting to see how how all that evolves. But yeah, and I think, um, you know, for me, writing the CEO update is one of the highlights of my time at Green Farmers of Ontario. I think it gives me a unique perspective that other staff don't have that I get that sort of one-on-one -on -one conversation time with our CEO to find out their thoughts about different topics. With Barry, it was always those, he liked those catchy headlines that we had. So Up the Creek was one of them the one time because we were talking about not having support programs that we need or just a single word like disappointment. The Blame Game was the title of that one where he was fed up. Now that Crosby Devitt is our CEO, I'm now learning a new style. How does Crosby want to present issues and provide his take on issues? Because everybody has their own voice. And as a writer who works with other people and is ghostwriting per se, uh, putting their thoughts into words, 
you always have to think, it's not me, it's not Rachel who's saying these things, it's Crosby. And what, it, what does he think of an issue? How does he speak? How does he talk? And um, doing that is a challenge, and it's a challenge that I really like because it gives you a different perspective on an issue. It forces you to take a step back and think about how does somebody else view what it is that we're talking about. So instead of looking back, let's look forward to the next 10 years. So where do you think the Ontario Grain Farmer will be in the next 10 years? Well, hopefully still in people's mailboxes. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, <laughs> I, I still, I still like, um, I still really enjoy um, working on the Ontario Grain Farmer and, and um, all the stories that we get to cover and all the different features that we do. There is sort of that digital shift happening as the younger generation um, comes into farming and they are more interested in technology and wanting to view things online. And we do offer the uh, OntarioGrainFarmer.ca website with all of our articles um, there, free access. There's no password or, or paywall involved. Um, and then as well, Kim produces the flipbook version of the magazine. So you can just kind of flip through it online as though you're flipping through the pages of the magazine in print. Um, so, you know, we have those options and I think we'll probably continue to offer the magazine in those different formats as again as long as we hear from our farmer members that that's what they want because that's why we're why we're here and there's been some conversations uh, around sort of the cost of producing the magazine um, because it does cost money to to print uh, you know with the paper costs and the printing and then the mailing um, but uh, we have uh, strong support from the board of directors we always hear from our manager Victoria Berry that whenever it's brought up either at the communications committee meeting or with the board itself that they're always very uh, in strong support of having a print magazine. So hopefully that continues and uh, Kim and I will still both be working on this. Well, I would concur with that. <laughs> um, yeah, it, for me, it's it's what it will look like it will depend on, what, on the guidance of the farmer members. Um, so always looking forward to changes and new things. Um, but it is the one piece of communication material we have that reaches all of our farmer members so i think it's important i hope it's still around i quite like i love flipping through it when we used to get it to our desks on the first of every month i'd sit down and read it and go through it and see what's going on i think it's interesting to note that when the member survey goes out that our farmer members still think that the magazine is probably the best way to get their information about what's going on at green farmers of ontario do you have any ideas on why that might be so I think it speaks to the fact that a magazine is sort of a casual medium, right? Like you can have it on your desk, you can have it on the coffee table, you can throw it in your truck. So when you're driving to the elevator and you're waiting in line there, right? And it's an opportunity to put your phone down and not be on your phone or if you don't have reception. We all know how good rural internet is sometimes and cell phone reception isn't the greatest in some places either. And it's just something that is easily accessible. You don't have to commit a lot of time. You can read one article or flip through just until something catches your eye. And I, I think that it's the same reason why a lot of people still prefer to read a book versus an ebook or online, right? So I, I think that uh, it's just that tangible feeling of having something in your hand. And it's interesting that our, our member survey shows that it's across all age ranges, right? So, I mean, it, it does vary in terms of the percentage, but it's very strong that across all age ranges, people want print and that is their best way to get information from grain farmers of Ontario. And I, I think that maybe that's also why people still prefer it is because it is specifically information about grain farmers of Ontario and barley, corn, oats, soybeans, and meat. 
Yeah, for me, it's just we always do these check-ins with the surveys and things like that to make sure that the content is what they want to read. So I think if they always feel like they have a voice as to what goes into that magazine, they're always going to pick it up. It's, it's always going to be reflect the members and what they want. So I, I think that might be a key to, to why it's a good way to get the information to them or why they feel it's a good way to have it. Yeah. I think oh, my favorite is I was in a, I can't remember where I was last year, but I was somewhere and on the desk, I saw an Ontario Green Farmer magazine and I was like, Hey, Hey, I know that magazine. <laughs> um, so it's always, and even my family that farms and they'll, they'll tell me about the issues and they'll say, this is a really good article. I liked it. So I think it's, it's good to have that feedback from, you know, farmer members and and I think a print magazine is something that is more easily shared. You know, I know we can share links and you can email people or text people a link to an article online, but, you know, just saying, hey, here, read this or ripping a page out and posting it on the fridge or on the shop wall, right? Like people still do that. Um, and it's, you know, we get um, requests from people saying, dad gets the magazine and I don't, can I get my own copy? Because he doesn't share. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's a farmhand or a worker and they're like, I saw the magazine and don't get a copy, can I? And we're more than happy to add them to the distribution list and send it out. And the magazine also, um, in addition to going to all of our farmer members, also goes to about 3,000 other people, which is government, so MPs and MPPs, but also industry researchers, our industry associates, our partners in different organizations um, that support the green industry and that broader value chain of the green industry as well. So people that are into export markets or the elevators. Um, there's a wide range of people that also get the magazine. So it can end up on a coffee table, you know, in an office or wherever you might be. So we do have more of a reach than just our farmer members. Awesome. Well, thank you both for taking the time out of your very busy schedules um, to sit and speak with me today about the Ontario Grain Farmer magazine and its 10-year anniversary. Um, I do appreciate it. Thanks, Paige. Thanks very much. Joining me today on the podcast is Crosby Devitt, CEO of Grain Farmers of Ontario. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join me today, Crosby. Hi, Paige. It's good to be speaking with you again. I feel like it's only been about a week since we last talked about what's going on at Grain Farmers of Ontario, but it's actually been four weeks and so much has happened with what's going on here and things going out in the political sphere. Um, and what those mean for our farmer members. So we had policy day, the wheat marketing announcement and the FTP meeting that happened last week. So let's touch a little bit about what happened with the FTP meeting. Uh, did things end up going the way that we hoped they would? Yeah, thanks Paige. It's been a, it's been a, another wild month for sure <laughs> on a number of areas. And uh, one of the bigger, big things that, uh, you know, we as GFO, but uh, farm organizations and farmers across the country um, were eagerly anticipating was the outcome of the uh, federal provincial negotiations at the, uh, the at Fe federal provincial territorial ag ministers meetings that happened a couple of weeks ago. And uh, there was a lot of uh, a lot of work and a lot of push to uh, to. Uh, Hope that the the our governments can negotiate some improvements to the business risk management programs. And so, um, coming out of that meeting, there was no deal deal made uh, per se. Uh, but the federal government has a proposal on the table that's um, under consideration by the provinces. And uh, 
as an outcome of that, uh, unfortunately, the proposal that's on the table um, isn't what uh, you know the grain farmers of Ontario and other groups had been asking for. One of the key parts uh, to improve the agri stability program is a change to the trigger to 85% uh, from the current 70, and that's currently not in their proposal. And so, um, you know, that's a concern and certainly something that uh, you know farmers are not going to give up on. As it's, as it's critical uh, for the grain sector, especially uh, to see that agri-stability uh, program be useful uh, in times of downturn, which we know uh, can come in this business. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, at some point that gets uh, tabled and, and, and things will go a little bit better for, for those that want it to happen. Certainly, yeah, the, the work is not done. <laughs> no, for sure. sure. That's for sure. For sure. And, uh, so moving on to something um, that, you know, happened at Grain Farmers of Ontario, there was a, a wheat marketing announcement that was made last week. Do you think you could touch a little bit about that? Yes, I can for sure. Um, so last week, the uh, GFO uh, announced that uh, the 2020 crop will be the final final year for our wheat marketing pool and forward contract programs. And uh, as many know, this has been a longstanding uh, program. Uh, since the beginning of GFO, but uh, certainly was uh, going back uh, to the Ontario Wheat Producers Marketing Board, a uh, cornerstone of that organization and program. And uh, just to get a bit of background, uh, there's been a lot of change in the grain market over the last number of years, and it continues to change. And and a big part of that is that growers are, are choosing to market direct uh, and negotiate directly with buyers of their grain. Um, there's been a lot of change in the grain handling side and uh, competition for exports and uh, domestic as well. Um, but also uh, farmers have improved their on-farm storage. There's uh, a greater service offering by local elevators to farmers that either have storage or don't. Um, and, and farmers have shown that they prefer to do it that way. And so as a result of that, uh, the, the organization and board of directors looked really closely at, at the programs and, and decided that uh, it's in the best interest of all our farmer members to uh, to have this as the final year for the program. So one of the things that won't change with the organization is our commitment to providing uh, good market information to farmer members. And so there's a number of things that are offered uh, today and will continue, one being our daily commodity reports that uh, summarizes bids and basis across uh, locations in the province. Uh, marketing commentaries and perspectives, uh, but also our SellSmart app. And uh, that's a great tool to see uh, live live bids, essentially, on the futures market, um, as well as basis levels, and it's easily customized for farmers' locations. So it's it's become quite popular, and uh, certainly that, uh, that, as well as other market info, will, will continue to be provided by, by the organization. Well, that's good because I know how important that daily commodity report is to some of our members and even those within the industry uh, that refer to it daily. And even the SellSmart app is definitely a well-used app within the industry. So that's good. Um, so we had our policy day this week as well with uh, our delegates and with over 90 participants, which actually is quite awesome for an online uh, event. How do you feel policy day went? It was a great day. Uh, we covered a lot of ground from uh, updates on business risk management, our new strategic planning process, 
biofuels, the environment, the political situation. We had uh, Paul Wells from McLean's uh, magazine uh, join the group and, and uh, provide some perspectives on uh, you know, the current federal po uh, political situation and uh, some perspectives for farmers to be thinking about. We had our Deputy Minister uh, John Kelly join, join the meeting and provide an update from OMAFRA and uh, provincial political updates and efforts and things that uh, OMAFRA is, is working on that is relevant to farmers. So it's great to engage uh, great with our leaders at OMAFRA. Um, we also had a really good interactive session uh, with, with our delegates where uh, they could provide input discussion on a number of topics uh, and uh, provide their their input in terms of what's important and what are priorities going forward. So overall, a good day. Um, certainly different than what we would have. Uh, uh, normally, we would have a face-to-face -face meeting, um, but it was all done virtually and uh, went off really well. And uh, we're looking forward to continuing that virtual uh, success at our district meetings that are coming up in early January. Yeah, it was definitely a great uh, day yesterday. And if yesterday's meeting is any tell of what our district meetings will be like in January, then I think it's going to be a great time for all. Well, Crosby, I know you're super busy, so I'm going to let you get back to uh, work here. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to chat and catch up. Yeah, thank you. And I uh, I do want to say to everyone, uh, as as we all know, it's going to be a different Christmas and uh, New Year's season this year, but uh, really want to wish on behalf of Grain Farmers of Ontario, everyone, a, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and uh, stay safe and all the best uh, going into the new year. Thank you for listening to our Grain Talk podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. For more ways to connect with us, including the latest webinar, market report, and our e-newsletter, go to gfo.ca slash grain talk. A special thank you to our guests this week, Kim Rotz and Crosby Devitt. If you've liked what you've heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And remember, five-star reviews help us grow our audience.